Welcome to the Brain Soul Success Show, where we learn, explore, and create your powerful positive healing for life. I'm your host, Louise Schwartzwalter. I'm the creator of a five-part mind-body-soul methodology that clears the subconscious blocks to success. From engaging transformational interviews, brain soul success stories, and the secrets shared by brain and spiritual experts, you will reconnect, revitalize, and transform your powerful life. It's time for you. Well, welcome everybody. Dr. Louise here with the Brain Soul Success Show. And wow, I am so honored to have my guest here, Greg Braden. Greg, you know, I mean, you're a legend. I mean, I've been a big fan for years. My whole tribe is a fan of yours. I mean, you're a you know, New York Times bestselling author, a pioneer, and how you bridge science, spirituality, human potential is, is completely brilliant. Um, so the vision that you hold, and you've presented this work for, you know, what, 30 countries? Everywhere. Um, and, you're, you know, some of your um, work with, with going to ancient sites has always interested me, too. You know, so you've been to a lot of ancient sites and have dug up different scrolls and all the archaeological um, implications of what's happened in, you know, in our world and how that relates to spirituality today. Um, that's just completely fascinating. So I thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, Dr. Louise, I am thrilled to be with you. I don't know if our viewers know this or not, but we're we're actually neighbors. We're in the same the same time zone, not quite the same zip code, but the same time zone here in the high deserts of, of northern New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, and this is the first time we have worked together, first time I've had the honor uh, of being on your show. So thank you for the kind words. You know, my... Uh, I'm, I know I'm very popular in my mom's living room and in some, in some circles, but you know, the truth is an author really never knows how far their work goes or, or who reads their work. And, uh, and so I appreciate every, everything that you said. And I think, you know, there's a beautiful place where the best science of the modern world meets the wisdom of uh, 5,000 years of indigenous tradition and spiritual principles. Uh, to weave together into a wisdom that I think can serve us in the modern and the contemporary world. So, you know, science, I'm a, I'm a degree geologist. I'm an earth scientist uh, with a strong background. A lot of people don't know this, a strong background in life sciences. I was a marine biologist before I became a marine geologist, before I uh, transferred to Colorado State University, became a terrestrial geologist. And, and I say that because it, it helps me as a scientist to stay abreast of the scientific discoveries and the publications that come out every week. Uh, very technical, the very obscure technical journals. Most people don't get to see uh, or have the benefit of, of these discoveries on the one hand. Uh, and on the other hand, you know, we're living in a world that's changing by the day. And the science in many respects, Dr. Louise, it parallels our most ancient and cherished spiritual and indigenous traditions uh, with both knowledge as well as the practical applications our ancestors left for us, but we don't get the benefit for that if, if we are not you know, seeing those publications. So, so I've done my very best to, to, to bridge those two worlds into something meaningful in our everyday lives. And uh, you know, 
we're living in a very strange world right now and everything everything that me and you and so many of these other my colleagues bruce lipton joe dispenza lynn mctaggart anita morjani the heart math institute uh you know so many people it's prepared us exactly for times like this uh, because we're made to adapt to the kinds of changes we're seeing in our world and i think that's a message that's being missed in, in a lot of the circles today you know what i love that message you say you know we're made for for times like this yeah. now we recently did a big class on clear the fear keep the faith and we cleared the brain soul blocks to helping people stay in faith you know and i know that's the wisdom that you speak about so during these times you know what tips do you have to help people stay you know yeah. more balanced in that faith you know the the fear there is a lot of fear right now and if you ask people what what they're afraid of you get a million different answers but really what it comes down to dr louise it is for the first time probably in a very long time a global event has put masses of people in touch with their mortality and when people begin looking at their own mortality the fear is that they will die people are afraid that they will die and to avoid dying we are changing the way that we live. We're changing, being asked to change the way we think. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's happening on a global level. And, and what it really comes down to, the reason people are afraid of dying is because they have lost trust in their body, mm -hmm. in their body's ability to do what we are designed to do. Modern humans, anatomically modern humans is what we are. Mm -hmm. And the scientists will agree with what I'm going to say. We showed up on Earth. We appeared mysteriously about 200,000 years ago, fully intact, fully enabled. When we compare our DNA today to the DNA extracted from the bone marrow of fossilized remains of our ancestors, we haven't changed in 200,000 years. And there's a, a lot of mystery around that. But what it tells us is that we have a 200,000-year history of not just surviving, but adapting and thriving to what nature and what life brings to our doorstep. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of controversy, a lot of question about where COVID-19 comes from. Where does the, where does this, this uh, the, the core of this pandemic, where did it originate? Mm -hmm. That's a conversation, uh, you know, for another time. Mm -hmm. But what I know, it's a conversation we need to have. But what yeah. I know is that when we honor our bodies, if we honor our bodies with all the things that we anecdotally talk about. So with healthy nutrition, with movement, movement is medicine. Our bodies are made to move. We've got to have some kind of movement in our lives. Uh, with, um, with, the, with, with good sleep and with the ability to lower stress levels, all of those directly impact the immune system and our immune response. So the question, for all of us really is do uh, we ask ourselves every day do i love myself enough to give my body what my body needs to be at its best always and especially in this time uh, of, of this global pandemic and if the answer is yes that informs the way we live we live our lives and if our if we're honest with ourselves and we say no you know i could probably eat a little bit better maybe i need more regular sleep or man i I need a little bit more exercise. This downtime, this pause, this global pause is the time to implement new choices. And, and I wanna to say to our, our viewers, 
our bodies are so smart and the, our, our bodies are so intelligent that they will respond within a matter of hours and days. They begin to respond to the healthy lifestyle choices that we make. In the past, people have been ridiculed. They've been called health nuts. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not saying you have to go to an extreme. Right. But if we can eat uh, less processed food, more food that comes from the earth, in movement, it doesn't have to be you know heavy calisthenics, but a walk in nature, a brisk walk in nature, or if you can't get outside because of the, of the lockdown, yoga, floor exercise, stationary bicycle, anything to allow our an elevated heart rate, uh, our immune system responds to those things, and when we make those changes in this global pause, when the pause is lifted the challenge will be to, to maintain those in the life that we're returning to. And for me, this is the beauty of where we are. There's a new world out there. Yes. Doesn't exist yet because we're building it right now. What will that world look like? It's being determined by the way we respond to what life has just brought to our doorstep. So that's, it's a long answer to a short uh, comment, but I, I wanted to kind of lay that foundation so we can tie into it as we go through our, yeah, no, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I have totally felt that too. Just before we got on the call, my blender was delivered. Yay, my blender blew up. <laughs> so, wow. so I can make my smoothies again. Um, so, I'll be right over. I'll be right yeah. over. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, that yeah, absolutely. We want to take this pause to change our change those habits. I've been mm -hmm. encouraging people to also change their spiritual habits right now, yes. as well as their exercise and their, you know, in their eating. Um, and you have a new book out called The Wisdom Codes, which totally speaks to this. Um, and I have to just tell you, I was so fascinating because I use codes in the field. The codes I use are numbers. I thought it was going to be numbers. And it's not. And I love this book, Greg. It's, 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 I want you to speak to it. So, you know, what was your inspiration to, writing the wisdom codes and it's about the words the words it, it is well this is this is one of those places where science and ancient wisdom and spirituality all come together in, in a very beautiful way uh, i'm a scientist as i mentioned a degree geologist but i've spent a lot of my adult life uh i began as a geologist going into uh geologic sites but i quickly learned that the wisdom traditions in those sites was as, as interesting, as fascinating, if not more than the geology. So uh, I've spent the bulk of my adult life with indigenous traditions uh, throughout the world. And I've led groups into many of these, and I continue to, into places uh, with the, the shamans in the Andes Mountains, the Southern Andes of, of Peru and the Altiplano of Bolivia. I was taking groups for many years into the highlands of central China and Tibet, into the the monasteries and the nunneries, 12 monasteries and two nunneries over 26 day trips into Egypt, into Nepal and India and all through the American desert Southwest. And as diverse as the cultures were, Dr. Louise, what I found was that there were common themes among these cultures. And one of the themes is that when the people found themselves in difficult times, in times of loss, when they were really hurting, Mm -hmm. from loss or in times of fear when there was something in the world not unlike what we have right now that that elicited tremendous fear or they felt they needed protection uh, there have always been words single words 
brief phrases or entire sentences that have been used in the cultures to bring them comfort, to give them strength, to instill wisdom uh, in those difficult times. And, and I thought, how interesting mm -hmm. that these words, they must be effective because they've been preserved in the hymns uh, of the, uh, the, the, the Christian traditions, for example, in the, the mantras from the ancient Vedas and the Bhagavad Gita and the Upanishads and the Gnostic traditions and the Native American traditions and the Buddhist traditions and the Tibetan Buddhist traditions and Egyptian traditions and, and so many more. So I, I began looking into this and this is where the science comes in because only recently has the science now showed that the words we speak determine not only how we think, how we solve our problems and the kinds of relationships that we create in our lives. The words determine not only how we think, but the words determine what we're even capable of conceiving, what we're even capable of thinking about. The scientists tell us that for each of us, we repeat words either uh, uh, verbally, like I'm doing now, or in our minds between 60 and 80,000 times every day, we use words to convey our perceptions and our feelings about what's happening in the world. Now we know mm -hmm. those feelings actually determine how the neurons in the brain, and now we know there are neurons in the heart as well. So the words determine how the neurons wire and fire. And this is why the word codes have been so powerful uh, consistently over such a long period of time, because we are changed in the presence of the word codes. So this this little book, I just got my copy in, in the mail. This, uh, this little book was my opportunity to bring together disparate and diverse word, uh, word codes from, from different cultures to catalog them uh, under chapters that are called protection and fear and loss and things like that so that we can go quickly uh, to, to the words that uh, are time-proven, time-tested and time-proven in these different cultures to help us in, in times of need. So each, each chapter, uh, there's a consistent structure in each chapter. It's got the, the, the code itself, what the words are. It could be a, a brief phrase or a chant or a, a mantra or a hymn or uh, from the Psalms and the Christian traditions or whatever, uh, where they come from so people can go and check it out for themselves. Uh, my commentary on my experience, uh, because I've used these and, and I continue to use them in my life. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then how we apply it in, in our own lives. So that is the essence of what, uh, what this little book is all about. I, I, just love, I just love that, Greg. I just have to tell you, I'm, I mean, I am just enthralled with this. There was, um, I think it was the Wisdom Code 3, the chapter on the Lord's Prayer. And you talk about the lost gospel of Quell, mm. or Q. Q, yeah. And I found that completely fascinating. Can you speak? I mean, you know, so there's a lost book, apparently, right, that had the, the Lord's Prayer in it? You know, there are so many lost books. Uh, well, first, I'm, I'm happy to do that, and I want to back up, be, okay. because you mentioned that you work in numbers. What I did not say mm -hmm. in Wisdom Codes, I, I probably should have called this Wisdom Codes Book One. Okay. Because there were so many codes that I sifted through uh, to create this first book, and that means a lot of codes were left out. Uh, and a lot of the traditions in every one of these codes 
can be converted into a mathematic code, a numeric code. And, and some cultures do that, such as the Hebrew traditions through what's called gematria. But the gematria, one of the great mysteries in linguistics is every language known to humankind throughout eternity, bar none, no exceptions, ancient cuneiform, ancient Egyptian, uh, the Arabic traditions, the Hebrew language, these are called the root languages, uh, 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 Sanskrit, uh, as well as the modern languages. For every one of those languages, every letter has always been associated with a mysterious number that never changes. No one knows for sure where the numbers originated. There are theories. Mm-hmm. They don't know where those numbers originated. And where this gets interesting is because we can assign different meanings to the words that are created, but the numbers never change. And so the numbers give us a consistent, uh, a consistent code from the beginning of written language for, from humans. And uh, I just wanted to share that with you. Uh, there, is, there is a level of the wisdom codes that is uh, based in numbers, that is mathematic. Oh, you know what? I just, I mean, okay, so here's how this relates to what I do. So I'm so excited about this because I do codes in the field and my teacher got those codes from the Bible. She downloaded them from the Bible. And what they do is they change the brain and the energy field. Yeah. And they are related to the, the universal language of math. Yeah. It's yeah, well, that's, that, that, that's, that's why it's so different. And I think that's why these codes have been, there's been an effort to preserve them uh, in many different ways. Mm-hmm. So you, you touched upon one of those. There are places where the codes are so powerful that they have been hidden and preserved uh, only for scholars who understood how to recognize them so they could not be destroyed, for example, by the Catholic Church in the fourth century mm-hmm. when they edited the canon of what we call the modern Bible, as good as our modern Bible is, the Christian Bible, we know it's incomplete because the discoveries in the 20th century of the Dead Sea Scrolls, the oldest records of the Old Testament, the Nag Hammadi Library, the oldest records of the New Testament, they fill in the gaps and they tell us what books were edited by the patriarchy of, of the Catholic Church in, in the fourth century. So for just a, a beautiful example, people ask me, Greg, mm-hmm. and, and you know, we're speaking about uh, Christian and uh, traditions, but this goes, it's not about the religion. This is about the history. And one of the questions has always been, where are the women? Where are the women, the female scholars? In the third century, why don't we have books of the Bible by women? Well, there were, <clears throat> and when the patriarchy, the Catholic Church, when they went through and edited the biblical canon under the uh, guidance of the Emperor Constantine in uh, 324 AD is, is when it was, uh, the, the female authors, the female scholars, their books were removed. So just an example, one of the most powerful, I mean, just the title is so powerful. There is a book uh, that was called Thunder Perfect Mind. Thunder Perfect Mind by a a female scholar uh, that was, it is part of what is called the Nag Hammadi Library. And our our viewers, I write about some of my books, the Isaiah Effect, I wrote about it. Uh, But you can go, you just go online and and check it out. But the, the books have changed over time. So the prayer that was given by the master Jesus, not as a religious icon, but as a learned man, a learned master. He understood 
the, the code uh, of how the vibration of language can communicate with the field that connects all things as well as the cells within our bodies. Mm -hmm. And he left a template. The Lord's Prayer is actually a powerful template that I uh, identify uh, in three codes. It's, it's the, it works just the way a computer code works. When we program a computer, no matter how big or complex, it all boils down to three, three parts in the code is the, the introduction, what's about to happen, the work that the, the code is performing, uh, and the close. And the Lord's Prayer is a template for just that. And when you recognize that, you see that other prayers in other traditions follow this very, very powerful template. And it was not only revealed in the Christian Bible, but it was uh, uh, relegated and hidden in other books, such as the Lost Gospel of Q, Lot of Quell, uh, it's abbreviated as Gospel Q. And in, in the Gospel Q, we find that uh, it is actually hidden within the text of another gospel. And it was only in the 20th century that scholars were able to recognize that and, and figure that out. So I think for me, the bottom line, if something is true, mm -hmm. I think it's going to show up in a lot of ways and a lot of places. And the, the, when we talk about the Christian traditions, one of the challenges is to separate the religion from the wisdom. And there is a deep, deep wisdom uh, as well as a, a religious principle, as well as a spiritual principle. And they all come together in, in the words that we use. So, um, uh, so that is one, one of the codes, but I also talk a lot about, we live in the American desert Southwest. I talk about Native American wisdom codes, the beauty prayer of the Navajo. Yes. For example, a beautiful example, it, the original prayer that I do offer in the book, it's a lengthy prayer, probably too much, to say quickly in times of need. But that longer prayer is abbreviated uh, into three brief phrases by a, a Navajo man himself, a beautiful, uh, uh, powerful, talented Navajo artist. His name is Shanto Begay. And he, he condenses the prayer into three phrases, the beauty that I live with, the beauty that I live by, the beauty upon which I base my life. And I, I use this prayer. I've said this to myself at least once a day, uh, since I discovered this for myself almost 30 years ago. Wow. And what it says, that, that, let's just break it down quickly. The beauty I live with tells us that beauty already exists in all things. We don't have to create it. Our job is to seek it out, is to find it, is to recognize the beauty in what life brings to our doorstep, number one. Number two, the beauty that I live by is the invitation to allow the beauty that already exists to inform our worldview, to inform the way that we choose to see our relationships, how other people treat us, how we treat other people, what's happening in the world. The beauty upon which I base my life is the invitation to allow beauty to be more than an aesthetic of that we experience when we witness something, to allow beauty to be a, a foundational principle, the lens through which we choose to see the world in life. We can't always change what happens in the world around us. We have absolute total power to change what happens within us. That's the beauty of being a self-regulated being. We, are, we have the power of self-regulation, biological self-regulation. So what the science tells us is in the presence of beauty, we are changed. When we perceive beauty, 
either in an object or in an action. We think and feel differently. That difference actually triggers a chemical reaction in the body. It creates what are called neuropeptides. And those neuropeptides, uh, along with the way the neurons wire and fire together in our heart and our brain, they change us as beings. So we literally have the power to be changed in the presence of beauty if we invite that into our lives. And that's just another one of the wisdom codes. So I, I wanted, I know, uh, I don't know about you, our time seems like it's going really fast. I just wanted to say that before, yeah. I love, but I, I just read that one this week, you know, and started applying it. So thank you for sharing that beauty code. Uh, it totally relates to where we are right now. You know, so just kind of, you know, I know we have to wrap it up here soon, but, but Greg, can you speak a little bit to how maybe that can apply to our lives right now and what people, almost a tip of what people need to be doing so that they can stay in a positive mindset right now. No, I think we, it's the way we began. This is a beautiful bookend to, to what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. I think to stay in the positive mindset here, from my perspective, what I know is this. We're going to get through this. Put together time will no be in a global pandemic and in a, uh, a lockdown. I paused right there because I, I know I had a, a weak connection so yes. uh, on the internet. Yeah. So there, there's a time where, where we will no longer, we will no longer be in all this. But here's the, the beauty is that the world we are about to emerge into, it doesn't exist yet because we're creating it right now. Mm-hmm. One of two things will happen. We are either, we as individuals, we as communities, we're going to emerge either through our experience as better people, as stronger people, with a deeper trust in ourselves and a deeper trust in our own bodies, recognizing that we are made for times like this and that our body knows what to do if we love ourselves enough Mm -hmm. to give our bodies what our bodies need to be at their best. Or... We are going to emerge from this scrambling to go back into a world of diversions and distractions, fearful that we may get this this virus unless we have a chemical in our bodies that protects us. And that is the narrative that's being perpetrated in the mainstream media is that we are victims, powerless and helpless without this external chemical support. Now, very clearly, some people need that chemical support. If, if you are immune challenged, and there are a million reasons for that and no judgments about it, they say statistically, age is a fact. Statistically, I'm supposed to be immune challenged because of my age. I, I Biologically, I don't think I fit into that category, but statistically, I, I do mm-hmm. uh, because, because of my age. Uh, if, if you... Uh, are someone who has an underlying condition, and you know what those conditions are. But there are immune compromising factors often people don't know about. Obesity can be an immune causing uh, uh, factor. Uh, Diabetes Mm -hmm. is an immune immune depleting factor is the word I want to use. Obesity, diabetes, hypertension, high blood pressure. Uh, a lot of stress in their life, things that we typically don't think of in terms of our immune response. So we have to be honest with ourselves and and say, do we fit into these? If we do, by all means, take all the precautions, stay locked down until you feel like you're ready and 
And if you need that chemical support, if you need the vaccine, if you need any of those other things, that's why they're there. Here's the difference. If we can use them to get us through a difficult moment in time, that's very different than becoming dependent on them as a crutch to live our lives because our bodies are stronger uh, when we honor our bodies through all the things that we're talking about. So uh, it's all, it's common sense. And, and what you said is a very powerful part of this. It's our inner environment as well, thoughts, feelings, emotions, beliefs. And this is where meditation, you know, even a few minutes of meditation relieves the stress in the body and it can continue that relief for many hours after that meditation is finished. So a lot of this, uh, Dr. Louise, it's going to be an exercise in self-honesty uh, and being very clear about where we are uh, in the way that we live our lives and treat our bodies and what we can do, the improvements that we can make, not judging the past. We have to say the past worked well enough to get us where we are right now. So it worked, but the world, the world changed. So now we have to let that past go and move from this point forward. And this is where new choices, man, they can make a difference so fast in, in your body and in your life. And this is the invitation, I think, that's, that's up for all of us right now. I totally agree. As soon as we make that choice and you start to make, you know, make different changes in your lifestyle, you will see the results of that right away. You know, it reminds me when I first moved to Taos, um, there's a gentleman that said to me, the mountain is going to speak to you. It's either going to pull you in or spit you out. And we have an opportunity right now um, with what's going on globally to take a look at ourselves. You said, be honest with yourself, you know, to take a look at yourself and look at what changes you need to make um, and get some help making them if you need some help, but make them. You know, I'm, I'm in there with, everyone. I'm, I'm not immune to these. I, I'm in there with everyone else. I'm evaluating my life and what has changed for me Mm -hmm. uh, for, for income tax, for United States income tax, you have to tell the IRS how many days you are home and how many days you're traveling. And uh, I pulled out my schedule and to my horror, I was home 28 days out of the year last year. Wow. And, I, and I appreciate all of the opportunities, but I recognize that uh, I'm making concerted effort to travel a little bit less, uh, to spend more time in the, the, in the beauty of the high desert of Northern New Mexico. Yes. So that I can appreciate, appreciate that. And, uh, and that's one of the things I'm working in my life to, to be able to make those changes right now. So, uh, and, and more walks outside. I have been, <laughs> I've had the opportunity to go outside every day for the last eight weeks and, and do a hike, uh, in the wilderness adjacent to our, our property here. And, uh, and I'm finding that I really appreciate that. And I'm better, I'm stronger, I feel better. And that's, that's the feedback mechanism for me. Uh, that's a message. So uh, I know our time went really fast today, yeah. Dr. Louise. When this is over, I'm gonna come to your city. I'm gonna give you the moon boosting hug for our interview, oh, okay? I know, I miss hugs so much. Well, I would actually love to invite you to um, one of our events if you'd love to come. You know, we're, we're not that far apart. You're right there, it's not that far. We would love to have you. I, I would be honored to uh, uh, check the, the way that you set this up, talk to, uh, to my office and, and talk to me directly and I would be honored, I'd be honored. Oh, that would be so awesome. That would be so awesome because there's more wisdom, I can feel it. And, and more questions, you are so, you know, you're just empowering, just empowering. So thank you for your empowerment today and your wisdom and your messages. And 
Um, it was just a gift to be with you. Um, and you know what? I'm going to be thinking of you when I'm on my hike too. So we will connect sort of etherically in the mountains here of New Mexico. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Louise. I just want to thank you for the work you're doing and for the community that you've created. You're a hub for, for this community. And um, uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. I look forward to our next. Yes, absolutely. I'll reach out again and, um, right. and, and have you. fun on your hike later today. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye-bye.